We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. It is your Friday, February 2nd edition, and we have a great show for you. A lot of stuff going on. The first uh, episode of today that we want to get to is sort of the inevitable, Andrew, right? Which is, I don't know, maybe mentally lately we had moved on from the idea of Bill Callahan, like we hadn't heard anything, so maybe we thought that like there wasn't you know, something happening there, but it happened out of nowhere. Kind of quickly tonight, we get Mary Kay Cabot with the insight that he is um, being requested by Tennessee to be interviewed and that the idea here is that they are going to ultimately have him a part of that staff. So um, I'm welcoming in Andrew, then I'll welcome in John Coliseum. It's the first time I've had both of my, uh, who I consider good friends here on the show together. I'm pumped about that. So I'll start with you, Andrew, like immediate reaction to that. And then sort of like, what it makes you think of what the Browns will do next off of it. I wasn't overly surprised just because nobody had closed any doors, right? The Titans hadn't said anything publicly. Callahan hadn't said anything publicly. The Browns hadn't said anything. So it felt like everybody was kind of waiting. And I don't know fully what, because Brian Callahan was hired over a week ago. So I'm not 100% sure what the delay was where he was sorting through his staff, but Maybe it was just as simple as trying to figure out coordinators first, and then he got down to the assistant coach level and felt like he would at- attack that next because they just hired Denard Wilson yesterday, right? So maybe it's as simple yeah. as that. Yeah. Um, and you know, moved on from their existing offensive line coach, whose name I couldn't even tell you right now. To your point, maybe it, they had, maybe he had to put in formal requests to make a decision on his coaching yeah. staff. Or something. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, yes, exactly. Right, because of the way that things are running down there, but it it did always feel inevitable. Uh, you're absolutely right about that. And so I, it didn't feel overly surprising because nobody had quashed it yet, even though it was kind of in process or in limbo. I, I think ultimately there's not a great replacement ready-made. People want to talk about Scott Peters. We've talked before how he's more of a technician guy and maybe not a fully fledged offensive line coach has never done it before. Maybe you talk about the guy, Andy Dickerson, they interviewed for for OC from Seattle, and he might now be available for a lateral move because of the coaching change there. But 
you're not going to replace Bill Callahan, I don't think. There, there's a chance that they can find somebody else that can do it, but yeah, it, it's going to be a big transition. This is arguably more as meaningful or more meaningful than the Van Pelt change, in my mind. I, th- I think that's fair, John. I'm gonna throw it to you, dude. Like, what do you? Um, let, let me put it this way: Is Callahan irreplaceable, or do they like? Is it they have to get to eighty percent of what he could do? How how confident are you in Scott Peters? A reminder: Scott Peters didn't coach until he got to the Browns in 2020. Like, I I have looked at Scott Peters' history, which is like like Andrew just mentioned, very much um, in accordance with like his strike system that he has. So maybe the Browns are going to be out there like just throat chopping people next year with Peters as like uh, take taking the anchor of the position. But for 10 years from his playing days ending, unless I'm missing something, he didn't get involved in NFL coaching until he got the assistant offensive line coaching role with, with, uh, with Callahan. And I can't be 100% certain that he didn't start in a different labeled role, like offensive assistant before he got that defined, uh, offensive line assistant role. But like, he's the one that everybody wants to believe can just step in and do this. Are you of the belief that this guy with not the grandest scope of experience is able to come in and do the things that Bill Callahan did? Because there's two ways to look at it, right? Like he either soaks up everything Callahan did and he's just trying to replicate that or he doesn't have enough experience to handle a job that's as important as this one. So I'm curious uh, what you think of replacing him with Scott Peters. I think he probably needs to do another tour, you know, as under somebody – to continue learning. Um, personally, yeah, I th- and I think it's a, it's an important enough position for the Browns who invest heavily in in offensive line to um, to bring in somebody with experience. You can keep developing the guy. There's no reason he's probably not going anywhere. Um, but I wouldn't be handing a job like that on a team with expectations like this one's are to uh, somebody that that fresh. Yeah, like Peters to me, he, there's obviously the variables we talk about in the show that we don't know. We don't know he could be extremely intelligent. Uh, he's grown into the position. We haven't really received many of those updates over time about like is Peters taking on more of like a like a scouting role where he's providing Callahan with something for protections or he's providing him with something for run game. We're left to guess a little bit on that. Obviously, the result of their decision whether to promote him or not will tell us that answer. But like, to me, I don't know whether sometimes you'll see these like assistant coach interviews or video things. You're like, man, the Browns have, or this organization has an assistant wide receivers coach or assistant quarterback coach who you can see a very easy path to being the next quarterback coach, whatever. I don't know about Peter. So there could be this guy who's a savant in the in in-house view, whatever, whatever, that makes him a very simple hire for them. And that's why they were very willing to let Callahan go. That's a possible outcome. To me, Andrew, I think I'm looking outside. Largely the reason I think I'm looking outside is because the thing that we have discussed all year more than anything else is a desire to see run game philosophical changes. People might not agree with me on this wholeheartedly. I've had some pushback on it. But I didn't think the Browns were good in pass protection this year, I thought it took a giant step back. They struggled mightily to handle line stunts, tech stunts, tackle in twists. They couldn't get it right. And it was driving me crazy throughout the year that some of these things that you would expect a very buttoned up offensive line to be able to do, they couldn't do it. It was driving me crazy. 
So like, I think Callahan is one of the best to ever do it. His reputation is well-earned in this corner of NFL coaching. But to think that this team is above flaw or above issue in the offensive line, I think is people living in a world that was three years ago. I think that they have had flaws. I think they've had flaws in their protection plans. I think they've had, because when teams put it together like zero blitzes on them, they don't have a great plan for it. Or even when they heat them up from depth, they don't have a great plan for it. And I think I've seen some teams in recent years have the ability to what's called blitz scheme them up, know how the Browns are going to adjust to pre to post and take advantage of a line shift, right? Sliding one direction or the other, and we can overload and confuse. I also think they have lacked diversity, true diversity in the run game in a way that's evolving over time. 2020, 2021, when Kevin started, I thought that stuff was pretty strong. But as we know in the NFL, you have to adapt or you die. And I thought their ability to adapt as things got harder because the generational running back was no longer in the backfield was a pretty big indicator of like they do not have a feel for how to adapt this run game the way they need to. But I'm also not trying to do the thing where it's ex-assistant coach leaves and it's like, ah, he was worthless anyway. They'll be better without him. That's not true. All right. I think it's fair to say that they're going to be in a world in which they're losing Callahan hurts them in some places because that's just the nature of losing a guy that's been doing it this long and this effectively. But there are opportunities for growth here, which is why I'm drawn to potentially bringing in somebody from the outside in. And Dickerson is the guy that I'm drawn to because he worked with Waldron and the LA connection and the diversity in the run game and the ways, Hey, you know, this is what they did in LA. This is how they compared and, you know, brought in this motion to, to give this an advantage, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I'm always looking for diversity in, in, in thought process. That's what we've talked about with the quarterback coach, tight end running back, all these guys. And like, this is another great opportunity to me, but I, you know, I could be wrong and I'm willing to hear the opposite opinion. If you have one, I, I, I think the, the biggest thing for me is, I, I mean, I think everything you said is really well said. I also think what John said is, is to me, the crux of it is that I don't think you can find out whether or not Scott Peters is a good offensive line coach in 2024 when you're trying to win the division, right? Cause that's, that's where the standard is for this team right now. They, they made that Deshaun Watson trade with the goal of competing for, division titles, playoff wins, trying to go to the Super Bowl. This is not a team rebuilding. If you're rebuilding, you give Scott Peters a chance and you, you see what he – maybe you find the next Bill Callahan and you're super lucky. But in this situation, that to me is the principal reason that I am hesitant about this entire thing because I, I think the idea of somebody proven that you can point to this is how Andy Dickerson schemed it up in 2023 – I think that's very useful. I think it's very helpful to kind of understand what you're going to get. Now, of course, as you said, they know Peters better than anybody because he's been in the building for four years. So maybe he has all those ideas. And he says, I just spent four years watching what Callahan did. And I like this, but I don't like this. And I, I have my own philosophy. But my sense is that it would be more sensible to – my sense is that it would be more sensible. I said that. To – look outside the organization for 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 an experienced coach that can bring some stability. I think to your point about Callahan and the irreplaceability, it's it's less about that he's irreplaceable as a coach and more about how important he was to this staff. I think you could argue that he was the most important hire that Kevin Stefanski made in 2020. 
I do think they can replace him, but I do think it also is a name that he Stefanski has brought up unprompted again and again when he talks about who he runs stuff by uh, during games, during the week. He always talks about their office offices are right next to each other. So this that's that's the stuff that's changing. I I think the I trust the Browns to hire a coach who can handle this job. the The fact that Kevin Stefanski is losing both Bill Callahan and Alex Van Pelt, the guys that he has really leaned on to do this for the first four years, I think that's the most meaningful part of this. I'll I'll also say like what's interesting for me is that the Browns were bringing in defensive line coaches for interviews and had yet to formally announce that the defensive line coach was going to be either reorganized or let go. We have really not heard of any offensive line interviews. We heard of Dickerson, but that was an OC interview. So like the the thing I'm wondering, John is like, and maybe you could tell me if you think I'm wrong, but like, did they not see the like? Did they were they waiting on a decision? Is my thing because I think we thought Callahan got hired in Tennessee, it was a done deal. But I feel like, guys, if it was a done deal the second his son got hired, we would have heard the Browns doing some things or heard of an interview or two for the O line coach situation, sort of similar to what we did with D line, right? Because I guess what I'm getting at is, do you think he thought about this for a while and it weighed on him pretty heavily, or do you think it was a foregone conclusion? Because I'm just sort of of the belief that the Browns would have been moving, like things would have been in motion a little bit quicker. Yeah, I, I'm i not positive whether they, you know, they have guys in mind that are <clears throat> elsewhere in the league still playing possibly. Maybe that points to them actually thinking they have an in-house solution. But I, but I was asking myself, um, and – this may be a dumb question. Did we have a specified run game coordinator last year? It was Stump. So he had the label. But to me, again, when you are an OC, and if you're a skill guy by nature, like Kevin's more of like, you know, he's a defensive player when he was playing, but he came through the like tight end quarterback coach realm. You lean into your run game and pass protection game from your offensive line coach. Like they're helping – Sometimes OCs would be like, hey, you develop the O-line protection plan this week and let's talk through it once you develop it based on what you've seen. I know that when I was talking to people from Buffalo, I asked, like, what does Dorsey prefer in the run game? They're like, the O-line coach handled that. Here's what they did, but the O-line coach was kind of the guy who handled the run game. I'm of the belief, based on the respect that Callahan has across the league, and I'm sure in this coaching staff, that he was the one doing that. He was the one leading the charge on – pretty much all of that stuff. I would be, if somebody told me I was flat wrong on that, I'd be pretty surprised at minimum. I'm confident he was doing the pass protection game plans. I would feel very confident as well that he was also the leading voice in the run game, you know, preparation for the week here, are the outside concepts here, the inside concepts we want to use based on these fronts. Um, that that's what I would think. And that's why he's important. But I think we could also agree we were begging for a little bit more in some of these locations recently. We have to also address two things, guys. And, John, you can respond to this. They have not had Jedrick Wills develop. Can we agree on that? That's a thing that just hasn't happened. Now, you can put that onus on Jed. That's fine. But if this is the best technique, motivator, teacher at this position coach, you know, uh, 
across the NFL, the, the Jedrick Wills lack of like getting this guy to just simply play through the whistle is a failure. And I do remember last year, very specifically after the draft hearing, that Callahan wanted nothing to do with Dewan Jones. And that was a pick that was against what he publicly had. Like It wasn't him saying it, but it was very much known. And I think even someone wrote about it, Andrew. I feel like somebody put it in a quote uh, from a league source or a team source or something. I, it was out there that he didn't want yeah. Dewan Jones. So like, mm-hmm. I just think that we can sit here in a world where we say losing Callahan is not the best solution here, but thinking this wrecks your offense's ultimate destination is just sort of playing the sensationalism angle. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that, um, I don't, I don't think our opponents in the division are going to be quite as happy as they think they are with this. I think it's a great hire for te- or the Titans. I think he's going to do well there and that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, like you said, like we're looking for new concepts. Um, you know, they may just find a teacher role. I want to look at uh, a little harder uh, at Staley's record to see if he's going to be more involved than Stump was. That that's that's what this makes me want to do. Yeah. Go back, dig up everything I can find on Do Staley to find out if that there's more on that play than you know originally I thought. Yeah, there's there's the element there. Is he going to have a larger voice inside the run game stuff? There's probably the hire will indicate that you know people have floated like mike munchak and there's some others that are out there to potentially be had it's not the greatest time to be hunting an offensive line coach but there are hires to be had it's like if they hire peters that probably gives us a pretty good hint that kevin's comfortable doing protection plans and is going to be a leading voice in that and that deuce staley is uh going to be a part in him and tommy reese and, and ken dorsey as guys who have been around calling plays to an extent between ken and tommy reese at different levels but nonetheless involved in in calling their own game plans are going to bring different run game philosophies to the table. And then it's just about pairing thought process that that's where I kind of sit with it. So um, the decision is, is fascinating. Uh, I, I don't know how hasty they'll be with it, but it, it remains a, a really large hire that they can't get wrong. Yeah. I want to go back to the talent acquisition or talent optimization, I guess is the word. There you go. Part of this. The Browns should – we've talked about this a bunch. I'll just say it again because it's it's relevant to this conversation about replacing Callahan. The Browns, by how much money they've invested, should have a top three offensive line in the league. It, that's that's where they're at year after year. A lot of this is because they're both of their guards are getting paid top five money. But they just extended Ethan Postich last offseason. Obviously, we know Jed Wills is a top ten pick. We know the con- contract that Jack Conklin's got. The the arguably one of the better offensive linemen performance wise was a was a fourth round pick, right? So a fourth round rookie. So the the uh, the biggest gap in terms of what they're paying for versus what they're getting is, is one is quarterback, and then two is the offensive line. But if you look at on uh, like. Uh, the totals they're paying the offensive line about the same amount that they're paying the quarterback on a yearly basis. So (laughs) both of those things underachieving at once puts the Browns in a real bind because you're talking about $120 million of a 200 and some million dollar, what two thirtieth is the cap number right now. That's almost half your cap and you're not getting top three performance out of either part of it. It's basically all of your offense that's underperforming. So 
that that is a real thing. And I think that there's a lot of things, as I said before, that are important about Bill Callahan walking out the door. But I also think that there may be an opportunity in here, a little bit of a silver lining. I feel like that's more than fair. And the defining part of this decision um, and what we see in the in the year coming up this year is like, to me, is is how different things feel in run game stuff, how different they feel in protection. And I think I just want to remind everybody that it, it, that this sort of thing is not, while not ideal, obviously you don't want to lose Callahan. And, and, and there's this bad habit again of, um, we're going to talk about this in just a minute with Alex Van Pelt of like a guy leaves and being like, that guy didn't matter. No, Callahan mattered. He mattered. And you would prefer to have him over the contrary. But I just also want to say that there's, there's clearly room for the Browns to have a good outcome happen at the end of this. If the if they had just come off of a year where they were top of the league in sacks allowed, top of the league in rush yards per attempt, all these metrics that told you that the offensive line was kicking ass across the board, we're having a very different conversation right now. Those stats just aren't appearing. Yeah. And it's been two years now where they haven't really shown up in the way that we would expect them to. I know injuries were a part of it this year. People are going to be shouting injuries at their phone as they listen to this but they're they're the the middle three guys played the vast majority of the season and those are the guys that are making a lot of the money so a big part of this is just not getting the production out of the offensive line that they should so yeah I I just I think if it was again if it was that they were really getting all of that then you would really be at a point now where you would be saying what are they going to do next but I don't have that feeling I think it's a loss but I don't think I have that feeling yeah, that's fair to me. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Come back from that break where you hear our sponsors talk in your ear, and then we're going to talk about Alex Van Pelt and a couple other NFL moves that are that are quite interesting. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. 
And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets, create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Alex Van Pelt is off to New England. Apparently, he is going to call plays on Gerard Mayo's staff in... um, this is who is going to take on the lead voice for whoever they pick, right? The Patriots are the third pick or are they the second pick? Someone, someone step in and help me there. Third. third. All right. How do you feel as a new England fan, John, that, that, you know, we're talking about <laughs> fantasy drafts here. You're heavily invested in an early quarterback here. If I tell you Drake may is going to get Alex Van Pelt as his offensive coordinator. Are you excited about that? Or you could have like, Again, say somebody takes Marvin Harrison first. I want to put you in this thought process because you're going to have to think about it. You have the opportunity to to select Drake May or or Caleb Williams, where Williams gets in Chicago Shane Waldron, and you're getting Alex Van Pelt in New England. Like, I I mean, I, it's at least something to consider, right? I I don't know. The thing I I would say to this first before I give you the chance to answer that, John, is like. I had some people from New England asking me questions about Van Pelt. And do you know what my response was? It was, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what this guy's role really was. We were never told what does he do on a weekly basis? What's his game day role? And I was like, you want to know what's the ultimate peculiar thing? He's the offensive coordinator, not calling plays on the sideline. Like that to me is relatively unheard of for a guy who has the title offensive coordinator who's not actively calling plays and dealing with his quarterback all the time to be on the sideline instead of up high at a vantage point to provide that necessary information. So we have one game, this playoff game where the Browns were gifted 14, 21 points right out of the gate. And yeah, they scored points when they had the run pass variation, like truly in perfect form. I think people have sort of held on to that game as a means to, you know, give Kevin some crap and give him this idea that he could be uh, Van Pelt could call plays. I didn't ever put any stock into that, but like, 
this is his, he's been around the NFL for a long time. This guy has been coaching, I think since, I don't know, Oh six, something in that range. He had one chance where the bills lost their offensive coordinator in 2009, right before the season left the staff. And he took the mantle and called plays for a year. He hasn't called plays. He didn't call him with the Packers. He didn't call him with the Bengals and he hasn't called him here. And this is the hire they make for a really important drafted quarterback. How much faith do you have in Alex Van Pelt getting this right with whoever they take? Yeah, especially with the weapons that they have as well at their disposal. It's not like that's a – you're not getting much help elsewhere. So, no. I mean, no, I would not be feeling great about it um, whatsoever right now. I, mean, I don't – They have absolutely no idea what you're going to get. No well, idea. The, the biggest thing, Andrew, is like he doesn't – like we, we if we could sit here and say he – was responsible for third down packages. He was responsible for short yardage design. I don't know anything, man. I, I don't know anything, really... Jake. He did the pickup trucks. I know you're yep. going to say it. Yeah. Really that's, why he couldn't, that's why he couldn't be in the booth. You can't he handle pickup counting, trucks if you're up in was, the booth. You can't be throwing them. It's dangerous. You throw a pickup got, truck at a player from the booth. Yeah. Somebody's somebody. headed to the IR. So He's doing tally marks for pickups that he sees on yeah, the field. You, gotta, you, gotta, you have to have the sideline view for that. So... Do you no, see I, this being like a 2024 NFL story that Alex Van Pelt has the Patriots offense rolling? Sure. Why not? The NFL's weird, man. Have you noticed yeah. that? Maybe he gets a Freddie Kitchens nine-game heater. I, I mean, I think this kind of goes back to the Ken Dorsey hire for the Browns in in the sense of like one of the ways that you get a really good quarterback's coach is to make them your offensive coordinator. Yeah, but he has to do the thing that Kevin does doesn't. No, do. I understand. I understand. Gerard Mayo can't call plays. I understand. I understand. But I'm just saying, if you're talking about developing a young quarterback, teaching that young quarterback how to be in meeting rooms, how to be on the training field, how to be around the building, and you can tell him this is how Aaron Rodgers did it, is something. I'm not saying it's the whole thing, but it's something. So. You know, I think the question then is, do they do a good job of filling the staff around him with other guys that can help him with the stuff he needs help with? The game plan stuff, some of the, you know, whatever whatever the things are on a, on a, on a game plan, play calling aspect that, that he doesn't have as much experience with. But I think they can probably put it together. And again, if you're going to have to coach, for example, Jaden Daniels from a college quarterback to a pro quarterback, I think having a really, really well thought of quarterback coach as your OC is not the worst idea in the world. What's interesting is that like I'm looking at a lot of New England people and you know they're 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 talking about um, the the thing that I found most interesting is they're like labeling him as a guy who called plays. I, I they have it wrong. Do you think Gerard Mayo when he left the building and he offered him the job and then like an assistant comes over to him, just this little guy with the clipboard. He's like, Hey man, I want to let you know real quick. I did some research and he didn't <laughs> call plays. And Gerard's like, what? Didn't know that. It's too late though. You already offered him the job. I, I've kind of find it fascinating. I think people think he called plays in Cleveland at some time. It's, it's kind of out there. And I'm like, all right, uh, I guess, I guess that's the thing, but no, he, he's, um, he's got a lot to prove is my point. He's been around a long time. No one's ever entrusted him to do this. So he's got a, a pretty healthy amount of stuff to, uh, to to prove in this regard. And two, like I am noticing that there's quite a bit about um, Dickerson and like the Patriots are really targeting him. So if the Browns want him, 
they're going to have to move extremely quick to to be able to pull that off and probably pay up. They're going to have to pay up to get it done. Um, all right, a, another thing around the NFL that we learned from coaching stuff today. I mean, Dan Quinn is hired by the Commanders. Is there a, a team that's going to draft a quarterback high? They just got done with a retread defensive coordinator failure. I mean, is this the ultimate we're on tilt since Ben Johnson told us no higher? Is, it, is there any more evidence? Like, this is the perfect name for that. Like, oh, who do we hire? Like, who's out there? Vrabel doesn't want to come. He ignored us. He keeps hitting decline when we call him. <laughs> this this feels like the ultimate panic hire. I mean, there's nothing to feel optimistic about as a DC fan. Agree or disagree, guys? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that because uh, the first thing that I thought of is if Snyder was still in control, what would the news be? You know, everybody's kind of just coping online saying, no, oh, he might be, you know, fine over there, blah, blah, blah. But if it was Dan Snyder in charge and they made this exact hire, they would be killing him. They would absolutely be killing him. And I, you know, I double checked to make sure he wasn't still, <laughs> you know, I was like, is this guy still capable? Because that seems exactly like a Dan Snyder move. And, uh, you know, when you talk about getting triggered, for being turned down. That's, that's really what I mean. You know, that's all perfect Dan Snyder stuff. So uh, I don't know. That's I'm going to mark one off against that new team, the front office. It's a great point about this being indistinguishable from what they had done previously. And I think it does speak to, I, I really think that there, there's a little bit of learning going on with NFL head coaches of don't take, don't be the first guy through the door when there's a new owner. You, you you don't want to be the guy that has to teach this owner how the NFL works. Let him let him figure that out with somebody else, and then in five years he can make the plea that he finally has you know seen the light in terms of how this whole thing works. I think Dan Quinn is. I, I I'm I mean I'm a little surprised that Quinn took it from the standpoint that he had a pretty peachy coordinator job in Dallas, and and now there's some talk that Ron Rivera could be the. The guy next up in Dallas, I, the whole thing, I I didn't think this year we were going to get into retread coaches as much. I thought that those lessons had been learned, but we still found a way to, to get into that kind of gross thing where it's like, well, we'll just hire the guys we're familiar with. So Ron Rivera gets to be the defensive coordinator. Why? Well, no one's really sure, just that he's in, people know his name. Jack Del Rio will be his linebackers coach. These guys are retirement age and they just keep getting jobs it doesn't make any sense it does not make any sense speaking of people getting jobs that you never thought you'd hear again maybe in the nfl but there are never say never scenarios playing out in front of our face um, we have chip kelly being considered multiple interviews with the commanders okay so that's a name we also have cliff kingsbury getting a job again the the the, the raiders have decided we want to entrust another quarterback to this guy at the NFL level, and they have brought him in to be um, to be the offense coordinator. They also decided it was a good idea to uh, bring in uh, Marvin Lewis, to which I agree. I have never quite understood why Marvin Lewis didn't get more consideration for another head coaching job. I found that to be really strange, considering he had some really strong runs in the midst of some awful structure in uh, Cincinnati. So I like that one, but with Marvin, uh, with Marvin Lewis, you get, you get a name you're familiar with Browns fans. They're, they're bringing in old Hugh Jackson for an interview too. Uh, like we're talking about a Raider staff that could have Cliff Kingsbury, 
Hugh Jackson, Marvin Lewis on the staff. And you have to double check the calendar year and say hard knocks, baby. Give me hard knocks. 2024 <laughs> is the year we're doing this. So it's a bit preposterous. Is there like, would there be a team that has done worse than that? Like if they do bring in Kingsbury, Marvin Lewis and Hugh, Hugh Jackson, can you think of one that has just done collectively worse in their hiring? I know you want to say Arthur Smith, Andrew, but that's uh can't even get well, quite there. What I was going to point out is that they also hired Tom Telesco, who has left the Chargers oh, yes. kind of a smoking wreck. But he so... also did leave the, one of the best rosters in the NFL. He built that. <laughs> so. Well, also, this is on the heels of doing the dreaded internal hire after firing a head coach midseason. Exactly. Exactly. With all of the emotion of the yep. players and all of that who the lead the charge. Coach. Yeah, precisely. Does it sound familiar to anybody? Here we are. I, I, listen, the the Brown Browns fans with what David Tepper has done, assaulting a fan with a beer, etc. All the things they can't hire a coach. They got to hire a one year offensive coordinator from Tampa. Now what Mark Davis is doing with the Raiders? Jimmy Haslam's not thirty two. He's not. He's At one time the, he was. Yes. He's not now. They've. This is the fifth year for these guys. So like, I'm not saying he's in the top half. But he's not 32 anymore. That's worth celebrating. It is. It is worth noting, you know. And we we are sarcastic in a lot of these NFL coaching conversations. But for the Browns to be four years deep with the same staff, largely the leadership spots in place, it is meaningful from where we started. It is very meaningful. They have gotten out of the way on some of that stuff. Let's see and um, knock on wood here that they keep that progress moving in the right direction and maybe don't rip off any more people at the local gas stations. That would be lovely as well. If we could, uh, if we could stop that and just really focus on taking like doc rivers to Milwaukee type stuff, keep the energy in the NBA. We'll uh, work on the books. There we go. Yeah. They need, they need solutions. All right. We are going to leave as I'm seeing a tweet that Baker Mayfield was expected to get 40 million a year on the open market. Um, not going to really comment on that other than to say, this is the exact situation Cleveland fought to avoid. Um, but, uh, you know, don't have much of a ground to sit on here when the current quarterback situation is like that. But that is um, an interesting little nugget that's going to happen this offseason is that Baker Mayfield might be demanding that very uh, lucrative contract that he's always uh, he's always sought after. So there you go. Update around the NFL and then plenty of conversation about the Browns coaching staff and where it goes from here. So um, stay tuned. Be prepared. You're going to get another podcast a little later in the day. We always love to do two of these a day, break them into um you know little chunks for you here we're also going to talk about our um season mvp award and uh, a bunch of other things tied into like season awards we didn't do those right after the year we should have done that but i can't i'd be remiss if we skipped those so we're going to come back and do those in the second pod so come hang out for that so for this one for john myself andrew we appreciate you being here taking the time to join the obr film breakdown today like i said check out the second one coming up a little later until then be well and go browns